Uh, so a couple of weeks ago at Bible College, so we run the Bible College out here in the, in the multi-rooms. We're doing a certificate for in ministry. We've had 11 people going through it this year. It's really, really great. A couple of weeks ago, we studied the book of Jude. Jude is one page long. It's just a brief letter. I probably have read stuff in the book of Jude, but um, I didn't really know much about it. I've possibly skimmed it or gone, who's Jude? Turns out Jude is the brother of Jesus. What would you have to do? What would you have to do to get your brother to believe that you are actually the son of God? And this guy believed that Jesus was the Son of God. Actually, he didn't until after Jesus' death and resurrection. And then he believed and he became a leader in the church. He wrote this letter, the book of Jude, that we call it, or the letter from Jude. I know they're very creatively named. Uh, And it's just a really short letter. uh, And it's two churches who had uh, teachers or ministers, preachers, who were saying words that were wrong. They're not the word of God. And it is so poetic. It's It's crazy. If I can have the slideshow, we'll go to the first slide. I love this. This is where he's starting to say, like, metaphorically what these guys are like. In Jude chapter 1, there's only one chapter, verse 12 to verse 13. These people, he's saying, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They're like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. They're like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They're like trees in autumn that are doubly dead, for they bear no fruit and they've been pulled up from the roots. They're like wild waves of the sea churning up the foam of their shameful deeds. They're like wandering stars doomed forever to the blackest darkness. Jude, he's, wow, you get the vibe, how he feels about these people doesn't like them, not into them, stars doomed to wander forever. This is my favourite line. They are like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. Isn't that so evocative? Just makes me think of, you know, and we've experienced it in places in Australia, not last, not yesterday, but when it's really hot, like a drought land and you get, it's just hot and you just, everyone's just desperate for a drop of rain and clouds come over and you spend all day looking outside going, oh, is it going to rain? Are the clouds on up? And then they go and they don't rain. You're like, what is the point of you? Clouds exist. They're drops of water from this earth to, to be rain. They're meant to come over, be rain. If they don't give rain, there's no point to them. It reminds me of one time I went to my friend's house in New Zealand and um, he had a pawpaw tree. You know the pawpaws? Like that weird yellow fruit. I don't know, it's not very common here, but loads of people have pawpaw trees. I love pawpaws. They're like $8 a pawpaw or something, so I haven't had one for many, many years. I went over to my friend's house and he had this massive pawpaw tree. That was the Cornwalls. My mum knows who it is. Um, and he, I said, oh, you'll have to invite me back when you get, you know, whenever it's pawpaw season uh, and you get pawpaws. And he says, oh, this is a fruitless tree. This is a tree that looks like a pawpaw tree, is actually a pawpaw tree, but will never have any pawpaws. In fact, I went over to Jeff and Josie's house. can't see them here today. I'll just talk behind their back. I went over to Jeff and Josie's house in their old house, and I was like, oh, Josie, what a beautiful grapevine you have out the front here. I bet you get loads of grapes. And she goes, this is a grapeless variety. 
a grapeless variety of a grape vine. So its point is to be grapes, to have grapes. And it's grapeless. And the pawpaw tree is point, surely, to exist is to bear pawpaws and it, and it doesn't have any. Like a cloud's point is to give rain. It doesn't have any. That, and this is what Judah's saying. That they're just like, they've got no, they're not doing their purpose. They're bearing no fruit. And God, Jesus specifically tells us he wants us to bear fruit. Every word of God bears fruit. I can't remember where it says it, but it says, you know, no word of God comes down and remains void. His, his words come down to earth. They come into our lives and they cause something to happen. Right in the beginning, God spoke light. He said words. Jesus is called the word. So I want to talk today about our words. Guy said this awesome thing. Guy back there on the, um, hiding behind the Apple computer there. Say hi, Guy. Hi, Guy. Oh, I meant him to say hi to us. Um, he said, words are spiritual. See how you can't see my words. You can't see anything coming out of my mouth. But you can feel the effect of my words. Depending on what I say to you, you can feel it cut you maybe for the rest of your life. Or you can feel it lift you up for the rest of your life. Uh, words have an impact, but we can't see them because words are spiritual. And I want to talk about words today because as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, if we say that we're followers of Jesus, our mandate, our reason to exist, our reason to still be here is to reveal Jesus, to be like Jesus. And our words have to reveal Jesus and have to bring Jesus to people's lives. So in the Bible, like I was spoilt for choice, I can't fit them all in, but I've got loads of scriptures for you. Chock-a-block in the Bible, filled with the importance of our words. Here's one today I want to look at. Proverbs 10.21, the lips of the righteous nourish many, but the fools die for lack of sense. In the New Living Translation, it says something like the lips of the righteous encourage many, but in every other translation, it says nourish or feed many. And not that I just knew this off the top of my head, I totally had to look it up. But the Greek word, blah, 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 I can't pronounce it. It's all like in upside down Greek writing. Um, <laughs> it means, whatever it says, it means uh, nourishing and feeding and it's got connotations of something to do with being a shepherd. So it's like the shepherd who will uh, guide the sheep to the place where they can get the good food. Con's going to look it up for me. However you say it, just yell it out when you find how to say it. It's like, I can't even make my mouth make the, I don't know how to do it. So the righteous, the lips of the righteous, the words that we say are actually meant to feed and nourish. Our words are meant to be nourishing. Who are the righteous? Well, not that we're any of us are saying that we're righteous. If you're new to church, dude, I'm not saying that. None of us are saying that. Uh, but this is just people who are following after God and trying to live his right way. So that's every Christian, every believer. Our lips are meant to nourish others. So the challenge today is, how are people in your life, how are people in your world doing with that? Are they hungry? Or are they being nourished with words of life and hope and acceptance and forgiveness and, 
and mercy and joy? What if people in our lives depend on your words for their nourishment? Yeah, you're like, yeah, good word, yeah, that's good. (laughs) It's a bit different to live it, isn't it? And I'm not talking about being a weirdo (laughs) and being super happy all the time because it's not to do with um, a fakeness. Our words are meant to be nourishing. So we don't go to funerals and go, it's okay, guys, everything's good, God's so good and, and we're just so happy today and he gives us joy. That's just being weird. And Jesus didn't do that. He went to Lazarus's funeral and he cried because he, he felt their sadness. When it says we mourn with those who mourn. So it's not about being fake, like fake sugar. You know, we don't want to give people a, a cake that's made with fake eggs and fake sugar and gluten-free buckwheat <laughs> flour or anything. <laughs> we want to nourish them with food, words that are like slow-cooked Meaty, beefy casserole or something like that. That's been cooking for 12 hours. <laughs> Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Uh, that word Greek, I looked up the Greek again, you're impressed with me today. The Greek word unwholesome is to do with like rotten or decaying. So it's like a rotten thing. Who wants to put rotten things in our mouth and, and spit it back out of our mouth? You know, we're not meant to have like diseased and rotten words coming out of our mouth. So slander and gossip and sarcasm and tearing each other down, words that humiliate each other. We're not meant to have those words in our mouth. They're like rotten words. As I read that scripture, I was really challenged by this. Only what is helpful. Imagine if we only spoke words that feel helpful. Imagine if we only spoke words that benefit those who listen. The Message Bible puts it like this, Ephesians 4.29. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps each word a gift. So our words as a believer, this is from the Bible. This is how we're meant to live. Our words are meant to be a gift to each other. Are our words a gift to each other, to others? What if people depend on them for their nourishment? You know, as a, I have like a really nice family. Had to say that, didn't I? really nice. We talk really nicely to each other. And um, in my immediate family, we talk quite nicely to each other. I'm surrounded by you guys. You all speak really nicely to me, really nice all the time. And sometimes it's it's a surprise for Christians who are often surrounded by loving, caring, beautiful people um, and being spoken to all the nice, nice all the time. That that's not real life for a lot of people. In Port Lincoln, that's just not the reality of life. Some people, from the moment they're born, they're being told, you weren't wanted, you were an accident, we don't want you, you're a waste of space. Then they go to school and they're told, you'll never amount to nothing, you'll never amount to anything even. <laughs> you're no good at this, you're not going to succeed, why bother even trying, why bother even going to school? And then if they do get a job, they get told, you're so lucky to have this job. Uh, because no one else would hire you. This is the things that are said over people 
all the time. Even in this day and age, we still have this stuff going on. And we can forget that as Christians surrounded by loving people all the time, that some of the people in our world, they literally depend on your word to nourish them. No other person in their life might be speaking nice things to them. They depend on your word for their nourishment. And we don't want to be like that cloud. You know, Jesus sends us to these people and we don't want to be like a cloud that comes across on a drought day and just doesn't give any rain and flits away. We don't want to be like people who are sent by Jesus into people's lives who are desperate, hungry, thirsty for a nourishing word and we stay silent and walk out of their lives or even worse, God forbid, that we say something that would tear them down even more. In Jesus, we believe that every single person has value, don't we? Every single person. There's no line of distinction. Like it says in the Bible, there's no line between Jew or Gentile or man or or female. We know that there's no line between good person and bad or from Jesus' point of view, there's no line between Christian and non-Christian or what country you come from or what colour you are or what you've done or if you've ever done something good or if you'll never do something good. There's no line. Jesus died on the cross for every person. God so loved the whole world. And as a Christian, knowing that, there can never be any excuse for us to be mean to someone else. There just can never be any excuse because our words, our purpose, like the cloud to bring rain, our purpose is to reveal Jesus. Otherwise, he would have taken us to heaven already. We exist to reveal the character of God, to reveal God's words to people. And so we can never be mean to someone, can we? we if you're a Christian, you just better never have a mean word cross your lips. We're meant to bring dignity to people. We're meant to bring hope to people and it's not that it's a rule and God said don't say these words because I don't want you to it's that our words are meant to put value onto people we're meant to show them God values you so much his son died to give you life even if they don't give themselves that dignity so even if they throw their own dignity away they've been mean to us they're impatient they've been rude to us Has anyone had that happen before? We can never respond in kind because even if they've thrown their own value away, their own dignity away, or even ours, they're treating us as worthless or rubbish, we are responding with showing them that's not true. We're showing them that they are wanted, that they are valued, that the price of Jesus' blood was paid for them. We can never strip away their dignity. We're the ones who will be giving dignity to others. That's our role. So how do we know what to say? Isaiah 50 verse 4, it says, The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue. (laughs) Just reminded me, as I read this the other night, we were telling stories to my mum and dad of funny things that the kids did when they were little. And once, (laughs) I think Nikita was being naughty and Mike goes, Nikita, hold your tongue. And she goes... (laughs) (laughs) literal the sovereign lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary 
He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. So how do we know the words to say? We listen to God. We listen to what he says to us and then we pass it on. You know, you can meet someone and and then you meet like their best friend or their sister or their mum or their dad or something and you can tell that they belong to each other even if you close your eyes because they sound the same. They say the same sort of stuff. They've got the same tone of inflection or something. You know that, yep, those people have spent a lot of time together, right? When we spend time reading the Word of God, we're reading the Bible, we're praying, we're listening to God, God speaks to us and we'll start to sound like him. We'll start to say the things that God says. We'll start to have his tone of voice. We'll start to be able to speak with the sorts of things that God would say. It's a good, Sandra was talking about examining our, ourselves. It's a, it's a good practice to, to each night maybe just to think like, well, you know, what did I say today? What were my conversations like? Is that, is that what God was saying to those people? Is that the sort of thing that Jesus would be saying to those people? Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's so true, isn't it? If you're going to, you know, go to uh, like the electric chair in, in some place in Texas or something like that, all it takes is the judge to go guilty. Is that one word? And that person's life is going to be extinguished. In the old days, back in Roman times, when they had the big circus stuff, all it took was for the emperor to go, guilty, and then they'll be tossed to the lions or whatever they did with them. It's only one word. One word has the power to cause someone to be killed in those ancient times or just to get life. And our words still have the same power today. Each one of us has that choice. Are the words that we're saying going to be bringing life and dignity to others or are they going to be taking it away? We're meant to be healing and nourishing. That's our role. We don't want to be no grapeless grape trees, grapevines. No offence to Josie, it was a really lovely grapevine. So Proverbs 12, 20, 12, 18, it says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I'm sure we've all experienced that already. People say things and it cuts us like a knife, doesn't it? Uh, our words are meant to bring healing. And it's not to do with just not saying a particular word or don't say swear words or don't say this bad word. It's got nothing to do with that. It's actually about the words that we do say. It's about bringing healing to people. I'll just get you now to turn to the screens. I've got a short video. Um, it's, uh, it's not truly offensive, although it feels a little bit offensive at the beginning, but this, it's really not in the end. Uh, it's by the skit guys. It's just a couple of minutes, and uh, it talks about the value of words, and it shows how it's really not to do with just not saying swear words or, or something like that. It's much, much broader um, how we're meant to bring words that are healing and nourishing. So we'll turn to the screens. I know there's nothing wrong with it, but I guess situations like that just really frustrate me. Oh, dude, no, no, no. You're, you're totally justified in the way you feel. I mean, truth is, like that doesn't deserve a guy like you. Thanks. It makes me feel better, I guess. I guess I just now know officially what it feels like to get on, you know? Yeah. Oh, speaking of getting did you hear about Jack and Maggie? Uh, not the whole story. I think they're just trying to keep their hush-hush. What? <laughs> 
Well, if that's the case, then Maggie made the greatest mistake of a lifetime by telling that chick April. You're me. Dude, where do you think I heard it from? Uh, hey! What's your problem? How to lay that out. Watch where you're going! I guess I just now know officially what it feels like to get dumped on, you know? Yeah. Oh, speaking of getting dumped on? Yeah. Did you hear about Jack and Maggie? Uh, not the whole story. I think they're just trying to keep their stuff hush-hush. <laughs> what? Well, if that's the case, then Maggie made the greatest mistake of a lifetime by telling that chick April. You're joking me. Dude, where do you think I heard it from? Uh. Hey! What's your problem, buddy? How to lay that cornball joker out. Watch where you're going, man! So what's the story? Story about what? With Jack and Maggie, you stupid idiot. Yeah, Jack's moving out. Wow! What a piece of work April is, huh? Yeah, she's such a backstabber. I mean, no, no wonder no one wants to be friends with her. Golly, she doesn't know when to keep her mouth shut. Hey, speaking of keeping your mouth shut, there's a thing on television last night about words. Uh, that the average person speaks about 18,000 words a day. Did you see that? I think Holly had it on. I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, they were saying that's like like oh, over 50,000 pages in a year. That's like a whole book or something like that. Mm. <laughs> but it just really made me start thinking about all the words that come out of my mouth, you know? What a waste. Thanks, jerk. Hey, watch your mouth, man. Wait till you hear Oh, thanks for the reminder. So it's not about uh, just not swearing, is it? It's about the, the, the words that we're saying, the, the tone, the things that we're saying. These guys are gossiping and not saying a single swear word, you cornball joker. Uh, but it wasn't nourishing food that they were saying. I want to just read through a gospel story. It's like four lines long. It's from the chapter Luke, verse 5, and Jesus sees a tax collector. Jesus lifted, once as Jesus left a town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Now, if you're not familiar with tax collectors back in that day, they were hated. They were the Jewish people and they were working for the Roman government who were the oppressing force at the time. It'd be a little bit like if you have like the, you know, during the Nazi regime and you've got a Jewish person working for the Nazis, dobbing everyone else in. These guys are traitors to their people. They're working literally for the enemy. Not only that, but they were stealing off their own people as well and taking that money. And there was nothing the people could do about it. So they were hated. Can you just imagine Levi sitting in a tax collector's booth? So he sits there all day in the hot sun. People come to him and give him the money. There'd be a Roman person somewhere around. There's nothing the Jewish person can do but give whatever Levi says. How hard-hearted would you have to be to be Levi to 
not only be stealing off your own people and to be a traitor, but just to have people come at you all day, day after day, and, and tell every person, yep, it's this much, you have to give me this much. He'd be so, you'd have to have such a hard attitude, wouldn't you? So he's sitting in his tax collector booth. There's Pharisees, there's teachers, other rabbis around. They, I'm sure, would have said what for to Levi. They would have, you know, told him he's a traitor. They would have told him he's going against their people. How can he do this? He's absolutely known as a sinner. And then Jesus sees him and comes up to him. And I just imagine, as I put myself into this story, what does Levi think? Surely he would have heard of Jesus. He's a teacher. He's a rabbi. People say he's doing miracles. People say he's going around forgiving people, telling people that God accepts him. He must be thinking, what's he going to say to me? Is he just going to be like every other teacher, every other religious person that's come along and told me I'm a traitor? I reckon he would have been hardening his heart to get ready for that, don't you? Jesus says this, Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything and followed him. In just a few words, follow me, be my disciple. Jesus gives Levi dignity, gives him value, gives him worth, gives him a chance to change his life, gives him acceptance. And Levi just takes it. He jumps up and he starts to follow him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honour. And many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. See the fruit of Jesus' words already making more fruit. Uh, Levi, in just a few words, knows the character of Jesus and he knows he'll accept my other tax collector friends too. So these utter outcasts, hated by all the other Jews, he's got them all around and they've got Jesus eating with them. And they're starting to feel like, well, I don't know, there's hope for them or they're accepted somehow. But then the Pharisees are there. The Pharisees and their teachers of the religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. So probably in the earshot of everyone, these religious teachers start complaining about Jesus eating with these guys. If you think about who the teachers of religious law is, like it's their job description to teach the religious law, to teach God's law, to say what God said. That's their job title, isn't it? And that's our job title as Christians, to say what Jesus said, to do what Jesus did. Their job title is to teach what God said. And what do they say? Why do you eat and drink with such scum? The very ones who were meant to speak the words of God into the situation strip away everything from Levi. They strip away his dignity. They name him worthless. They name him scum. They humiliate him. They say there's no good thing in this person. Why are you even talking to them? Jesus, you're going to make yourself dirty by being with these guys. And like we try and teach the kids to do, we try and imagine yourself into the story. And as I was imagining myself in this situation, there's Levi, all his tax collector friends, they're all eating dinner. The Pharisees come along. 
it's like I, the way I imagine it, there's like music playing and then they say this and the music stops and everyone holds their breath like in a Western gunfight or something like, what's going to happen? What is Jesus going to say? Levi must have held his breath. All of them would have because this is the moment where Jesus says who they are. Either, well, what can he do? He can't lie. He can't go, no, guys, you're wrong. These guys are the best because <laughs> they know that they've been traitors all these years. Everyone knows and he can't lie. So how can he defend them? But if he doesn't defend them, what does that mean for them? I bet Levi held his breath and thought like, maybe this is the point where I do get judged and Jesus will say, you're right, Pharisees, I'm out of here. And then what are they left with? No one's ever accepted them before. The music stopped. Everyone's holding their breath. A tundra thing goes over. Everyone's waiting. Jesus says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Jesus is truthful. He doesn't say lies and say these guys are the best, but he doesn't humiliate them in any way. In his speaking of the truth, he acknowledges that their life wasn't right, but it was because of their brokenness. And he offers them hope. The music starts up again. You can just feel everyone sigh, a breath of relief. This he, Jesus' words point us to change, but never take away our dignity or condemn us or send us out as outsiders, outcast. He calls us to change, but gives us dignity and fills us with hope in that very moment. And our words must be the same. Even if there's a situation that you know is not right and it's outside of God's way, we're not there to tear people down. We're there to give them dignity, to speak God's words to them, to give them the understanding of their value. Your words to your families, to your co-workers, to the people that you meet in the street, to the person that's rude to you, to the person who's impatient with you, to the person who uh, is crying out because of their brokenness, malnourished. And they need that word from us to nourish their souls. We're, we're called to speak a new word to people, new names to people, loved, beloved, son and daughter of God, valued, beautiful, wanted. Every word from her mouth should be a gift. I'd like to just uh, close in prayer if we, if you like, you can just close your eyes for a moment. And First of all, I just, I want to just uh, say sorry to God and ask for God's forgiveness for the words that, that I said or say that have taken away something from people that haven't given life all the times when we've been silent, when we should have spoken up. So Lord, we're sorry for those times. Jesus, your word reveals to us that our purpose is to bring life-giving words and to bring value and dignity to others. Forgive us and teach us, Lord, how to speak your words. And as 
we just spend a moment now. This morning in worship, I really felt like God was saying to some people here, words have been spoken into your life that you're still hanging on to. Like a chain or a wound, it was just placed on you maybe way back when. And Jesus would say, it's time to cut those off and to walk free of those things today. Because your job is to speak my word to others, not walk around wounded by those words that were placed on you. Don't listen to those words anymore. Just listen to the words of Jesus. Don't let those words have any part of describing who you are. Like Levi didn't listen to those other rabbis. He listened to the words of Jesus. Just hear what Jesus says about you today. Jesus, we ask you to help us to grasp this language, your language, words that will lift people up, words that will heal, words that will actually nourish other people. Let our church be known as a community of people who speak life, who speak acceptance, who speak uh, inspired words from you into people's lives that sustain the weary that nourish the hungry, words that are are, are like a cloud bringing life-giving rain to a drought-ridden land. Each word a gift. God, that when we speak, people would hear you. Amen. I'll just ask the ushers to come around now just got some little cards with the verse on that we've spoken about today, Ephesians 4, each word a gift. Sometimes after a message, you know, you go home and you instantly forget it. Uh, I just wanted to give you something to put in your wallet or in your Bible or beside your bed and, and just encourage us to change our language to be a language that nourishes and, and our words be a gift to others.